Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of the X Button. I am one of your hosts, Alejandro, and with me is the former Hurricane Survivor. Oh, hey, everybody. How's it going? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Well, it's really great to have power. Um, and I already kind of had my whole chat about that last week, so I'll kind of digress on it. But um, it's good to be back in the 21st century, and it's... Uh, Good that um, this tropical storm that's currently supposed to hit sometime today has not shown up and should be hitting mostly North Louisiana. Um, so I we are fortunately spared that wrath this time. Yeah, at least you won't be sent to the Stone Age again. <laughs> Thank God for that, because that was um, that was difficult. And I just made a post on one of my social medias. I may take a few of those pictures and throw them to my Twitter so the rest of the world can see what that was about. But um, yeah. Uh, that was fun and it was crazy. Some of those images look very apocalyptic in a very Kojima-esque fashion. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's um, it was particularly funny that I decided to try playing Last of Us 2 during and uh, immediately after whenever we had a little bit of uh, extra power to throw on the generator for a second. Um, and even then was like maybe an hour um, out of the two weeks. But um watching all of the post-apocalyptic stuff walking through that was like oh so this is like this is real <laughs> um it was weird so yeah um but we've been doing some other stuff definitely and um i've actually been working it's crunch time over at the paul illustrative offices i um the game that i've been working on for a while is near a soft release um it's okay. gonna be I think he wants to get it out by like late November or December. And um, he wants my art for it by like mid October so he can edit the 3D models. Can you say what game it is or are you still not allowed to say? It's, uh, I can actually. So it's called Sea of Choices. Um, it's going to be like a 3D old school Final Fantasy-esque story. And it should be somewhere online by now. I don't know if there's going to be much, if anything. Um, let me see. Yeah, it's like an RPG. It's like there's Sea of Choices announcement trailer. You can find that in YouTube right now. Really? Okay, yeah. let, let me search this real quick just to, to show it. Um, I don't think any of my stuff is going to be featured yet. Yeah, okay. Announcement trailer at Sea of Choices. Mm -hmm. That's the one. Um wait yeah yeah that's it okay um yeah this is it uh so the the models right now are placeholders mm -hmm. and whenever i give him the final art for all of the human or at least humanoid characters uh those will change but yeah he the guy that makes this his name is nicholas prindle he is um his grind set is amazing he uh he's a music producer that he's been doing indie stuff. I think he has like three or four albums on it. Um, and his whole idea is to put visuals to the music that he's created. Mm -hmm. And he says he wants to make a game with the most amount of music in a game ever. Um, I don't know if that's exactly what he's going for this one. He already has like a hundred plus tracks. Oh, wow. That he wants. Like that's his real passion. Even if it shows up for like a few seconds. Or original tracks. Thing. Yeah, he makes it all. <laughs> um, it's all instrumentals. So he that's his that's his thing. Um, and he loves it. So that's where this kind of came from. 
and I would let him tell it more than I could ever. But yeah, he basically hired me to do all the 2D art that shows up whenever mm -hmm. you speak to a character. So I am uh, designing and uh, making the art for that. You should ask him if he ever wants to come over and promote the game. Initially, since you're basically working, since you're working when, on it. Yeah, um, when uh, we started the X Button podcast the first time when it was still Statics Radio, mm -hmm. um, I think I mentioned that one time, and then that just oh, never so that's happened. him. So that, that was so him. that was him. So where this is way back. <laughs> uh, so this is uh, it's been in production for him for a long time, and I came on, even though he told me near the beginning. Um, this is where like I'm actually doing work for him and sending him sketches and stuff. So uh, that's been really exciting. And the fact that it exists and I can show people and it's like, I have proof. I have proof. It's real. I swear. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's surreal just to even be a part of it because there's no way I feel like I ever would have been hired for a game otherwise. And now I can say I worked on a game that has been released at some point in the near that's, future. That's so. freaking awesome. Just, just I know. put in there, because so especially for your art, it. like, you can put that in your LinkedIn. You can start sending it out. Yep. And uh, every time you make critiques about art that completely misses the mark, you have a point. We see I you. Know. I'm not just a more. random guy that draws things. I'm going to be like, <laughs> yeah, got a, got a game under my under my belt. Um, and I, I don't want that to ever like go to my head because it's, it's just one indie game. But also, it's more than I could have ever hoped for. So I'm happy that I'm a part of it. What about you? Same old, same old. Um, always going on walks, working on the family business. Uh, we just had our Independence Day yesterday. So Because uh, I hear there's been some stuff in the news. Yeah, just to not get too political. The things that are happening yeah. in my country are, let's just say, they're not as smooth as one would think. But some of the things that happened yesterday may seem like they had an more of an impact. I'll really? leave it. Yeah. I'll leave it. I'll, let's just say the president felt a little shook. That's by, good. By the things that happened. So there's I like, know you and I were a little concerned about if yeah. people would take those things seriously. Yeah, because especially when it comes to like protests and all that, you'd never know if it's just show or not. But right. yeah, very, very curious to see where things go. And um, yeah, but then other than that, not nothing new, just uh, playing games, streamed a little bit. Because you can always see, yeah, you can always say, we were going to talk about that. Yeah, uh -huh. you can see the stream always at our YouTube channel. And also, I think more of a housekeeping thing. Now we can finally address the fact that we moved days. We have. Yeah. So, Paul, like, explain why we moved days. <laughs> well, um, every time we seem to have been releasing an episode on like Monday or Tuesday, uh, it seems that somehow we predate some huge amount of news by even like an hour i think there was one that broke as we were finishing recording mm -hmm. and we completely missed it <clears throat> and we almost um, tore our hair out you're like we cannot believe that i was uh, <laughs> driving us crazy and then we would have to either film or reacts or a second portion of the episode um and it's getting harder and harder as adults to clear out more schedule time mm -hmm. so we decided to push back our recording day to hopefully come out on thursday mm -hmm. to beat any friday shows and also not miss all of the cool stuff that happened during that week yes and also more importantly is that because usually when we did the news uh whether when, whenever we recorded either on monday or tuesdays um we were always recapping the previous week but since you're already in the new week, new stuff is happening. So right. we were already algorithmically kind of dated in a way. 
Mm-hmm. So like, uh, so like, if we keep up with the news segment that we have kept up since the very beginning, and if we're doing it kind of like as a weekly recap, since we're not a week a daily news show, um, might as well recap it within the week. I feel like as everything is kind of like hot in the air, it was basically fresh off the oven, or as close as possible. Like the uh, the episode we did post the uh, opening night live thing was very eye opening, and just how important it is to kind of hit. So <laughs> just, yeah, again, you expect uh, new episodes on Thursdays, potentially Friday things happen. Like if yeah. for some unforeseen reason, it's always going to, we're always going to be aiming to always be consistent in hitting on Thursdays. But if it is, if, if it somehow it happens on Friday, think that in our adulting, something happened. <laughs> so yeah, but True. hey, I'm, I'm kind of proud that we haven't missed an episode. You've missed somebody like the show. Has I have done, missed uh, yeah. a couple, but you know, there's a couple of big reasons exactly, why I missed yeah. One was vacation and the other was a natural disaster. So yeah, um, a large one too because people are uh, the the cost is coming in and it's been very bad um, for a lot of areas. Yeah, but here's what's funny: we did have a gaming event last week and nothing happened this week, so things are looking up. Last time it was E3 and you had to go on vacation, then opening night live happened, and then the hurricane came over. So it's like at least Hopefully we can't be to too superstitious. <laughs> I need uh, I need to breathe between this. I need to play some games. Oh yeah. Speaking of playing games, Paul, uh, what have you been playing this week? Andre, I've been playing a uh, very interesting game that came out on Tuesday mm-hmm. called Death Loop. Oh yeah. You have been playing it as well. I was uh, I think what you were streaming even, mm-hmm. and um, you can I actually the... wanted to stream. Oh yeah. Where, yeah, you can check three. You in, yeah, you can check like I stream you for like three and a half hours, like the first few, couple hours post tutorial mm-hmm. so, so yeah you can definitely see some of my early thoughts and how good or bad i am in the game and some funny stuff that also happened within it like me hitting the, like me hitting the battery of my of my electronics and shutting up the game like unexpectedly on stream that was that was a very god dang it moment <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and I didn't I it, it, it's just there <laughs> all of the invasions that you had to suffer through um a feature that I never would have expected to be so popular in this game, um, a sort of game at least. So, but, um, so t- tell me, Paul, like, uh, how many hours are you in and what do you think of Deathloop? I am very far in. I played a lot of it yesterday and um, I think it is a fantastic game. I, I was, I think, more reserved about it. I mean, as you know, before release, I was super skeptical. Um, once it came out i was playing through it tutorial was a little like heavy on the front end but i understand why because they really want you to understand these fundamentals so you don't go through the whole game missing something that you really should know Um, because once it opens up you really need to understand your fundamentals to get as much out of that game as you could um i have some notes actually that I really wanted to get the wording right on this. Mm-hmm. So um, Deathloop is Wolfenstein plus Goldeneye. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. Yeah, because um, the song, the art, the, the kind of like, um, it's aesthetic, it's a vibe, is very Bethesda. Yeah. Um, it's It fits perfectly. I was in the middle of 
two different moments that made me realize the similarities. One was sneaking around the generator room in one of the places, and it felt very GoldenEye because you had your Metal Gear Solid gray walls. Mm -hmm. You had your industrial, like, Cold War era look to it. And then you had your first person view pistol and all that stuff. And I was just like, oh, I'm getting flashbacks to this. Mm -hmm. And then the second one was I was in the middle of belting out the automatic shotgun on a bunch of enemies all at once. And I went, oh, oh, like Wolfenstein. It feels just like that Mm -hmm. where you had your triple barrel just unloading on people in front of you and um, just tearing off parts of their body. It felt so satisfying. Which kind of makes sense because you, do you know that Arcane worked on Wolfenstein Youngblood? Yeah. Like with the fishing um, game? So it would make sense that they kind of learned something while they ate it with that stupid right. game. <laughs> it's That's a shame, but I'm glad they clearly learned from it. And that's one thing that I can say about Arcane and just every time they do something, if they make a misstep, they learn from it in the next and you can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back and played the original Dishonored and the quality of life that they added into that i didn't realize it's heavy right (laughs) day it is so much better than i realized and it made me realize that i'm pretty much only going to be replaying dishonored 2 in the future because going back to dishonored 1 is just so difficult um unless you want to play a specific way but anyway back on topic um that was one similarity i realized um just Deathloop is all the Dishonored plus quality of life, like I mentioned. And then Deathloop is what happens when you blend lore and story the right way. Oh my now, God, that's so good. Just to break that down, um, <clears throat> let's bring up our favorite Horizon Zero Dawn mm-hmm. um, and like audio logs, all that stuff. I mean, any open world game, you've got that because exploration is a thing and people, the devs want you to explore every part of the world. And then, so they put little things there. So you want to go check it out. But the problem is that they either don't really have much to do with the story. Um, they, they do add lore, but there's not any reason to go get them um, outside of like your own desire, your own curiosity and whatnot. But what Deathloop does is every little piece of audio files little papers literally helps you solve the mystery and progression of the main it all story. It literally it everything all matters. matters. I, I was actually listening to all the audio files, reading all the stuff to make sure I understood the codes and what I was unlocking. And the fact that it does that, but it doesn't just leave it at that. It gives you a prompt in your little menu area to say like, it's not going to give you the exact, answers unless it's like a code which it'll bring up for you thank god because i would be like all right where was that code let me or, let me go through or this sometimes it actually tells you the solution so that you're not like running around like an idiot yeah. they're thinking um, is this you you have to look at this and then you go to your man it's like what that was the solution you can see that in my stream <laughs> yeah but um and then there's other times where they don't tell you exactly it so you do get to not have to but get to kind of go through and say, oh, what was that code for this? And like the the weird machine um, that has like the giant cassettes that you have to jack in mm-hmm. to open up the door um, for spoilers. But um, it has like a blueprint of all like the codes and stuff. And you're like, you had found all of the symbols in a previous mission way earlier. And if you go through, you can pull them up and then you look at the thing and then you put it all in. And I felt like a genius, which usually I feel like an idiot. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just the fact that it's all 
pulled together in the right way with quality of life that lets me stumble but not get really frustrated mm-hmm. there's always a way to fall back on that and what are you gonna say you're a very directionally challenged gamer yes and so how do you bad. feel yeah how do you feel the way this game is designed like in its layouts and all of that that it makes is, you really um, learn it like has that been able to kind of like circumvent the fact that you suck at direction yes uh immensely so actually so um I would say the most difficult environment so far has been our Wolf Boys uh, mansion. Alexi, yeah. Oof. I, oh, um, that is, that's difficult, I will say, because so many of those hallways look so similar. But that's kind of the point. Um, I feel like it's, that's the Castlevania, mm-hmm. um, or castle castlevania i don't know how they call it exactly but anyway yeah it's the castle area (laughs) that's the crazy like this is a maze and where you're going to feel it this is like the final evolution of testing all of the skills that you've had up till now um but like everything else i'm super surprised that i both remember where everything is um there was points that I was running through something and then I remembered specifically where like a health thing was, or, or I remember where a crank wheel was from over Everything's here. there. Like literally it's, everything is there. It's all there. It's um, surprisingly easy to remember. I think at first I was really wishing there were more environments, but now I understand leaving only four and making them so distinct means that your memory from one to the next is so much easier to go okay this is the place with all the planes i remember there was one like a thing under this plane over here at this spot and it's so easy to find that i've never been like there was only one time i got frustrated because um finding like the paint symbols on mm-hmm. the side of the art ladies uh fia's base um i'd killed everyone i'm just running through it and there's like 15 of these paintings and you have to find exactly the one that is based on this little piece of credit um a little sentence that explains where it's supposed to be and that was the one time i had to actually look it up to be like all right i've gone through all of these i must have missed it sure enough it was like right behind a wall where i never would have seen but that was like the only time i got frustrated enough to check something out and um I I'm surprised that I've been able to find everything that I've needed to um, very easily um, with just a little bit of difficulty on like some of those, like you have to find this exact audio file and I'm like, where, where is it? (laughs) But usually I've found it. Yeah. And the good thing is that it at least tells you it's in the area. Like when Mm -hmm. you, when you, when you put it like in your log and there's like the orange square slash diamond that tells you where to go, at least, you know, there's something there. It may not tell you it is here, but you know it's there. That helps me a lot because it's uh, the places you have to look for things are usually very small offices, and they know that, like, all right, we're not going to give you this whole building to search this thing. We know it's in this room. Just look. And then eventually I've found it going from, like, one table to the next. Mm Um, but well, what are some more thoughts that you've had on it? Cause I kind of focused on some more yeah, like so, general. So, um, originally it was like, uh, when, whenever they were promoting this game and whenever the previews started coming up, they're like, this is like a mix of Hitman with dark souls and dishonored and, uh, 
I don't remember what else. It is it, it was like a, a huge mix. I would also throw in my hat that this is also Majora's mask. Yes. Yes. Like this is like the, the Majora's mask loop, but with the advantage that there's not an ever-present clock kind of threatening you for like the for the day. And like the only time time ends in this game is when you move out of your area. Or so, die. Yeah, or die. Yeah. If you die your three times, if you have the power, right. the, the the power of reprisal, you get there. And um it really makes me realize that that's so cool because it all comes together with the fact that you have to really learn your environment. And uh, I know there's a, a, one big complaint I've been seeing online about the game. It's been uh, obviously if it, that people feel it's a little bit more stripped out compared to Dishonored, like less power. It's streamlined like, for yeah, sure. It's a little bit more streamlined, but it's all in service of you not getting too overwhelmed with the fact that you have to keep up a lot. That you do. Um, there's a lot of like, oh, actually, I'm gonna let you finish. Actually. Yeah, yeah, and and I feel like the way you learn environments reminds me of the way you can learn the mansion from Resident Evil, or Resident Evil Seven, because everything is in the exact same place all the time, and it's about really figuring out how to be the most optimal to take out these eight targets. Like in one run, you do one, you take out one. In another run, you may have the chance to have two targets at the same time if you play your cards correctly and when to go on a specific day. And, and that's the thing, like, even though there's the four environments, there's four times of day and every time of day is different, D different enemy placement, different like things that are open. Like for example, at the near the castle, there's this library that has all these weapons that is only opened at noon. If you go at night, it's closed. Yeah. And so it's like, and what I love is that, yeah, it, it's not quite a roguelike, but it has roguelike rogue light elements. But there's such wish that, those words were different, but yes, yeah, roguelike yeah. roguelite. <laughs> but um, I don't feel it's punishing in a roguelike way. Like for example, Returnal that really slaps in the face if you lose and having to restart a full run. The whole infusion system that they've added here, where everything in your run feels like you're always making progress, is very Hades in a way, because yes. Hades also had that roguelike that was more of a roguelike game though but he knew how to always make you feel that you're always propelling forward you're never kind of like always starting from zero you always feel progression they took that from that game and put it here like being able like i've had runs where i'm literally not even hunting the targets i'm just building my arsenal yeah like just like exploring everything getting all the uh, what's the name of the thing that you absorb that gives you currency the residual the residual yeah so you absorb the residual find a really cool weapon especially it has the typical looter thing of this is a white weapon this is a blue version of this weapon this is the purple version i don't know if it's even there's even I, different color um, later but it's there like, is uh that i have found a couple of yeah so you can then spend some time to like build up your arsenal so you can really set up the kind of play style you want to pursue with, with this and it's just so satisfying one thing though the AI is abysmal. Has it gotten better? Like it's, the more you play it, like it's kind of they, astonishing how dumb the AI of this game is. <laughs> they knew, um, I think near the end, at least for the game, um, they understood that the AI was not going to be on their side as far as like intelligence. So they just throw bodies at you. And um, somebody told me, 
that there was like a cool in-universe explanation that they came up with for why the AI is so bad. And it is the idea that all of these people are reliving the same day. They know it's like, you know, when you jump into a multiplayer game, but you really don't care. You Mm -hmm. just keep dying. You throw yourself at the enemies and sometimes you get kills and you're like, eh, whatever. Um, They were like, that's the mentality these people are going through. And so they're just going to throw themselves at you. They're going to run at you. They're not going to, mess around if you disappear they're like ah he'll come back eventually i'm not going to worry about it and it's a very like apathetic thing that goes through the whole universe and that's like the whole problem for these people and that is like their mentality when facing you so i was like okay that's kind of interesting like it doesn't change the fact that the ai is horrendous but Mm -hmm. it's like okay if if i want to like suspend my disbelief a little bit further that's what i'm gonna go with it's is like the only thing that is like because on Monday when the review embargo lifted of this game, it was like both IGN and GameSpot gave it a freaking 10 out of 10. And I was like, whoa, a 10? Because if I'm honest, I thought this was going to be like a 7 or 8 out of 10 game, like um, just based on what we had been I was had worried seen. it was going to be like a 5 or 6. Yeah, because it's, so because if, I, if we have to like really say something is that the marketing of this game probably didn't do it justice despite the fact that it was over-marketed. I mean, we even got a freaking five-minute trailer in the PlayStation thing. We got, what, 10 minutes of gameplay during... The the last state of play. Yeah, and it was, like, all stuff that we'd already covered. Um, it's, It's the problem of, like, they put a lot of marketing money in, but they didn't do it smart. Yeah. Like you and I, I came up with the Wolfenstein plus Golden Eye. That sounds way better than whatever they came up with. Because like I was like, like the idea of Wolfenstein blended with Golden Eye just sounds amazing. And I just don't think they explained it well. And enough. I'll throw it out there that the way some of these levels are designed and the kind of freedom you can get and the way you approach things is very Metal Gear Solid 5. Yes. That and I would I know that because that. I've been replaying all Metal Gear games and I'm already in my Metal Gear Solid 5 replay, and uh, there's nothing more satisfying than figuring things out and seeing that there's always a different way to be like, oh my god, this opens new avenues for to be able to do this, and I feel Arcane has always been masterful at grade level design, all the way to the first Dishonored, Dishonored 2 even more, the, clock, the clockwork mansion, I mean, come on, um, even Prey in a way. Even though Prey, I feel I felt it was more annoying to play. It felt it had a purpose of why it was a little bit more clunky and it still had great level design. And I feel Dishonored, I mean, I feel Deathloop is kind of like them condensing their best design sensibilities in a way that will that feels manageable and leaves an impression. Like this game, I feel I do feel this is game of the year contender. In a year that has barely had anything come yep. out and things kept getting pushed. And we barely bought anything new this year. We, we, we were talking about that. Yeah. Like it has, and also the fact that this is the only big high profile exclusive on the PlayStation 5 for the rest of this year. Yes, that's like, another big thing. I think Sony really wants it to succeed. That's what I'm hoping. This will be a commercial success because Sony needs it to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm going to let you go back to that. And, um, and, and not only that is like, it also behooves Microsoft <laughs> because they own arcane now that's what's that, that's what's oh so i didn't hilarious. even think of that yeah that's what's so hilarious about about this is like both this and ghostwire tokyo were like the two bethesda games that sony scooped up before microsoft 
bought all of Bethesda outright. But but then like uh, I wonder what kind of contracts they had that they didn't want to sever the the contracts they, the promise they had made for those exclusives because that's so yeah. funny to think that do like the more imminent Bethesda releases are only gonna be in the competing platform. Maybe that's why um, the deal ended up being the way it is because they honored stuff that was already set up before the purchase date and then say everything after this date is now ours yeah. rather and, than... And, and yeah, and like what happened with Starfield, like Star, even though Starfield was announced yeah. at the Bethesda conference in 2018 when they were multi-platform, so you could always infer that those games will either be multi-platform or unless specifically stated that they were exclusive, like what happened with Deathloop and Ghostwire in 2019 E3, they announced both those games, but with no platforms attached, but everyone assumed it was going to be multi-platform until it was announced that Sony bought timed exclusivity for those two games at the uh, June 2020 PS5 event. So, Which I'm glad that it's going to be timed, honestly, because I think more people need to play this game, especially yeah. and, with and, how bad it's been on PC. Oh, yes. <laughs> like I, I heard some horror story. What's funny is that I don't know what happened to Arcane that the PC port of both Prey and Dishonored 2 were busted. Like, they were not running correctly. They were not displaying the proper resolution. Like, I remember hearing that, and I'd be like, oh, man. But they're, what's funny is that their roots are on PC. These are people that have worked yeah. on PC before, like, they did Dishonored. So I don't, I don't know what were some of the games that they worked before Dishonored, but they were the kind of games that you find on PC. So it's Probably funny. just allocation of resources. Oh, yeah, pro- yeah, probably. And at least the PS5 version, as far as I played, I haven't seen any single bug. Like, I have had a... one time where it froze and I lost almost an hour worth of uh, progress. I haven't, I haven't had that happen. I did yeah. have one moment where I got stuck in the in the environment. This is in stream. And the way for me to get out of that without like resetting was I just chucked three grenades, like committed suicide. So I could kind of re- so I could re- uh, um, use the reprisal mechanic. But mm. then other than that, it's like, it feels pretty clean. And I will say that as someone that has been a little mixed with um, the adaptive trigger use on PS5, like some yeah. games do it phenomenally, like Astro's Playroom. Other games do it abysmally, like... Um, Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah, Call of Duty is in between. I feel the game that, we're, that does it the worst is Avengers. The adaptive oh. trigger, the adaptive triggers in Avengers is really bad. Hmm. It's like, it's not consistent. It doesn't have consistent rules. It, it's overly strong. It's like, it's not pleasing to play. But in this one, I feel like, for example, the Call of Duty thing has where you tap the L2 button. It was like yeah. super hard to like aim. And mm-hmm. then it had, and, and this one had different, um, the R2 button had different um ways that it reacted depending on the on the gun it, it, it used but it still felt a little strong so like if you're hand, doing a handgun it didn't feel good to like shoot too fast this one feels like it got the balance right on how strong it needs to feel and it feels more immersive and it i does. hope that as the generation keeps going on more games still use the adaptive triggers i mean even freaking back for blood is going to use adaptive triggers on ps5 based on the beta that i played Astro's Playroom used it so well and it's so perfect in that game like how it just much more immersed you feel and more magical it feels when it really works that I hope more games do it well I'm do hoping so too I only heard like a slight bump just now okay. but that was yeah it's like I feel um, like I hear water dropping so I don't know <laughs> was well is it raining 
there's a bathroom maybe. close to my room so oh maybe so um i had two little things that i wanted to mention before we moved on mm -hmm. um one is the specific quality of life of recharging power um because in dishonored as awesome as they want you to these powers to be uh, they run out always of had a very limited amount you only had 10 things that could refill part of it and so it was always very re um sparingly that you would do stuff like that and like any promotional material was like you were burning through power like ridiculous but this like the fact that it just comes right back um so quickly really benefits with your ability to use these powers regularly don't don't worry too much about it because i've realized that it's very um you go in big you'll get a lot of crazy people coming after you and you also have a lot of power you're just a glass cannon mm -hmm. um yeah as much as this game is a stealth game it really encourages you to fight to shoot yeah. your guy it's like it's we talked about you like you have a problem with like hitman that yeah. you well you have this problem with stealth games that for some reason you don't want to play them as stealth games i want and, to play them like movie stealth games yeah so i think this one gives you that fantasy because it does because this game also does away with the thing that you always find in this kind of sneaky uh immersive simulation games that if you mess up there's a quick save you can kind of keep reloading to get that perfect um that perfect stealth run there could be a way to do a perfect stealth run of this game because the ai is so freaking stupid but yeah. at the same time i feel like it's very interesting how it solved that conundrum of not allowing you to save scum because it also encourages you to just go all out, use the weaponry that you have there. But also know that if you go all out, as stupid as the AI sometimes is, you're also very fragile. Yeah. Very, very fragile. And you'll die real quickly. So I feel they kind of hit an interesting balance there. And very impressed with it. And I, considering we haven't had a new game, like an actual new IP, a new kind of franchise, like in a bit, even this year, like the last like new franchise for me that i even bought was returnal and that game was so hard that i kind of put it away be like i'm eventually i'm gonna hit the mood where i want to kick my teeth in with like mm -hmm. something so punchy especially because that game plays so well but yeah i haven't like usually new generations where you want more new ip this is one and bittersweet for playstation fans because this will be the last arcane game they're gonna get i know and that hurts my soul a lot but if it helps that studio get the recognition it deserves, then I'd say go for it because and the financial security yeah. because neither Dishonored One or Dishonored Two or even Prey sold that well, like mm -hmm. at all. So at least now that they're under Microsoft, Microsoft can decide whatever they want to do with them. But because they put everything on Game Pass, that's what matters to them. So they have a little bit more job security. So that's good. And I always said that I always like when two consoles can justify why you should own both. And just playing this, I'm like, Arcane's so good. They have so many good studios outside just Bethesda. Like, just the Bethesda games, like Fallout and all that, I've kind of petered out of them. I don't feel as... Um, they, they have to like, really re revamp the engine, the quality, like the bugginess. Like, everything else that Bethesda does is not as buggy as a Fallout or an Elder Scrolls. That's fact. So, Fallout feels like the family guy of video games. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so like those two, those games, yeah, Starfield is exciting because I will always be 
for a space exploration RPG. Like they, that, that idea is like, I feel that's ironically, that's untapped potential somehow in, in the realm of role-playing games. So maybe that, that would be one, but like games by Arcane and then machine, uh, machine games, like machine games doing the Indiana Jones game. You assume that's going to be exclusive because with Sony getting exclusive licensed products right now from Disney, I wonder if Disney, that's how they're going to throw the, the bone over at Xbox. We're like, yeah, Sony's getting all these Marvel exclusive games. They're even getting a time exclusive Star Wars game. You keep Indiana Jones. So I feel that this at least like makes me more curious about trying to own at the very least a Series S just to be able to keep experiencing these games once like they're out of PS5. And that, like I said, it's a, it's good for Xbox. Like it is very shrewd, especially now that you see the big um, reviews, like the critical reception of this game. Like God, they can flaunt that be like, Hey, we own this studio that gave us this 10 out of 10 game in many big websites. And they're all ours. And if you wait a year, you can play it here for free on X on Xbox game pass. So big get for them and big win for, I hope at least this game sells well, just on the fact that Sony has nothing else like big, 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 big. So yeah, big props to Deathloop. Is it a 10 out of 10 game? Maybe a nine, I would say still an excellent game. Like I can't get over the AI personally, because it's like, you kill, you literally destroy a firework in the corner and there's this enemy to the left and they didn't even react. I'm like, there it's bad for that i'll agree um just like you can turn a corner and they won't even follow you to that corner they'll just go oh he's gone all right yes (laughs) that's it but yeah i can't yeah i can't can't even fight i can't wait to play more hopefully we can be i I heard that it's not that long which makes sense because of the way the game is designed but it feels like a game ripe for replayability also so can't wait to play more i'll make stream more of it i would say it's it I would I will say though it's a hard game to stream in a way because being a meticulous stealth player something doesn't make the most exciting streams. But yeah. some of the ways that I messed up were also funny. And also we cannot finish talking about Deathloop without mentioning the fact that the invasion mechanic is freaking hilarious. And the fact that you invaded me and me not knowing and me just killing you and like being so deadpan until you posted posted in our group chat that that happened. Yeah. I was like, wait, that was you. <laughs> And um, to clarify to everybody listening that I um, went in just not caring enough (laughs) and um, Alejandro having to sneak up behind me while I'm just waltzing through one of the areas and just two shots me instantly. And um, I felt very played by that process. What's funny is that you kind of saved my opinion of that moment because when I was shooting at, because what was the name? Is it Juliana, the invader? But I was like masquerading as a random AI character. Mm-hmm. So because you were masquerading, it was like, you kept running away from me. I was like, and I was shooting and I was like, you just kept going. I was like, does this game glitch? And then I killed. He's like, oh, I killed Juliana. I was like, <laughs> I had already been thinking the AI game, the AI of this game is pretty bad. That's even awful. Mm-hmm. Until I saw that. I was like, oh my God, that's funny. That's so funny. And uh, yeah. it doesn't, even when you kill it, it doesn't tell you who it is until you're in the, like in, in, in that like reward page that you get when you exit a level that you tells you what you did and it's in the corner until yeah. I saw that you posted that picture. I, I couldn't believe it. And then I got invaded by someone else and I did get killed. So I was like, 
yeah, I'm going to put this in friend only invasion. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I quickly did that for myself. Honestly, I switched over to single player where it's like only the AI. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has taken tough. a lot of the fight out of her. She's still dangerous, but it's a lot less of like, all right, I know she's going to lock down this entire section of the map and then slowly work me down. But it's like the AI just kind of walks through looking for you. It's so funny, um, I get Gambit vibes from Destiny 2 whenever she invades. Really? Yeah. I mean, oh, I'm, you know yeah. what? Okay, I get uh-huh. it. Yeah. Uh, yes, the invasion uh, of like, oh, shoot, there's somebody here. But that's Watch Dark Souls. But that, that was also that was popularizing yeah. the Demon Soul Dark Souls series being invaded. So again, it's like it's a interesting complex. smorgasbord of games that comes up together mm-hmm. into something unique. And I can't recommend it enough, especially for PS5 owners that have nothing to play right now. Definitely get it. Yeah. I would highly recommend it. Not an essential purchase for me though, <laughs> but it's like highly recommended. So yeah, Paul, Definitely that was uh, th- that was our thoughts slash review thoughts of Death Loop. So there is a few things that have happened in the week before after the showcase, and that's the thing. Like, there's no worse news time than the week after a big gaming showcase. But we were able to snuff to get some pretty meaty meaty stuff and also by the way like back in the day uh when we started doing the show no we we always had a structure where we either we talked about what we've been playing then we went through some news and then we had a topic that we can kind of like a fun topic that we can discuss and while we've been doing the first two things i think it's kind of time now that we're almost 20 episodes in again like since we return i think we kind of want to bring back topics and Paul is going to be the one that's going to bring the topics for the show to discuss after we do news. And I don't even know what they are. We prep about this show, but that's the one thing that he's going to surprise me. in. so we'll see what that is. But for now we have to go to the news. So Paul, press X. For some news. All right, Paul, so it's a good thing that Deathloop came out because even though we're in the fall, the laser is still happening. <laughs> yep. So as we, it's a, so yeah, even as we finally entered the fall season of releases, if you thought we were done with game delays, think again. Two big profile games for this holiday, Battlefield 2042 and Dying Light 2, just got pushed from their original release window, citing once again development hardships due to COVID. Battlefield is missing its October 22nd release date and instead is releasing on November 19th. So you might think, okay, it's just a month. No no big deal. The problem is that it's missing its chance to release before this year's Call of Duty and just a few weeks before Halo Infinite. And uh, Dying Light 2 had its December 7th release date, which in the great Microsoft trebuchet showcase of 2021, Dying Light was heavily showcased and they kept reiterating. December 7th, December 7th. Yep. Well, it's coming out in the not-so-crowded month of February 2022. So, Paul, Battlefield is one of the few games that you're looking forward to this year. I mean, you're still I, getting yeah. it, but... I am. Um, I'm really sad that it's coming out even later, but I'm, um, frankly, a little surprised that it even was delayed only that amount like Mm -hmm. it's still in 2021 which i'm at least thankful for on that side um yeah 
I honestly, I had forgotten that it was uh, October 22nd. I don't know why I thought it was October 7th. And that's far. That was some, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so in any case, I mean, I'm looking forward to it still. I'm sure they're going to come out with something good. It just sucks that it's going to come out between Call of Duty and Halo Infinite now. And that is going to heavily affect the player base, which is like the biggest um, obstacle for Battlefield games. Yeah. And my th- yeah, my thing with uh, this Battlefield in particular is that the last time that they delayed a Battlefield was Battlefield Five, because that was also an October game that then came out very late in November. Mm-hmm. So it came out way after Call of Duty, and and the funny thing is that in that year is like they had a little bit more of an advantage in content than Call of Duty because Call of Duty Black Ops Four didn't have a campaign, so they could always promote that hey we at least have one even though that campaign sucked. The Battlefield 5 campaign sucked. Yeah. Um, it didn't help that. And, and obviously, Battlefield 5 already notorious in the way that it didn't reveal well at all with its reveal trailer and some combat combative responses to the response to that trailer. I so, forgot about that. So, yeah. And so, it's like it let Call of Duty kind of happen. This year, Battlefield has had the advantage that people really like how it looks because it's growing back into a setting that people are more comfortable even though it's a little bit more futuristic it's still more exciting for a lot of people than just world war ii and world war one even though world war one was really awesome in battlefield one now that it's coming out after call of duty as a full price game call of duty rarely delays they never delay i don't know how they do it they hustle because they too. have like 20 developing yeah, 20, teams 20 developing all working teams all over. On yes it. exactly more so this year because Rumors were that the development wasn't going swimmingly this year. By the way, the open beta is this Thursday, FYI. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, or actually today. <laughs> I was like, I think. It was, oh, yeah. Today yeah, is Thursday. Yeah, yeah, today open, yeah, it's the open beta if you want to try the multiplayer of that thing. Hmm. It's just, if you're out of Call of Duty, it's like people are just going to flock to it. It's like Battlefield just keeps stepping on these rakes. Like they always kind of want to fight against it. It's like, for some reason, every ever since Battlefield and Call of Duty have been going against each other, Battlefield has never won. Even if you could make the argument that some Battlefield games were better than a specific year's Call of Duty. And that's kind of sad, but I'm also weird at being like, I hope that if it's only being delayed one month, this better not release busted. Because also Battlefield games releasing buggies, like, already have a notorious like par for the course it's like yes. guaranteed gonna they've gotten better yeah they've gotten better but battlefield 4 is like legendary that game took almost a year to get fixed so so it better be clean but if, if you had to delay it and it doesn't launch clean then you should have delayed it until 2022 that's all i'll say especially because we haven't gotten a beta yet we were promised the beta for battlefield this month nothing yet it's like in the delay it was like yeah, beta information coming soon. I'm like, yeah, you guys are running out of time. <laughs> so, no. I mean, we've been talking about a lot of the idea of saying, oh, it's going to still be 2021. And we're like, it's September. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, and I mean, like what was happening with the Cyberpunk and uh, Witcher re- uh, next in releases. So we're already in late <laughs> 2021. Those things are late 2021. And then, uh, then we got to push like Grand Theft Auto V that moved out of November to March next year, even though it's an 80 year old game. Dying Light 2 makes me nervous why, why it had to delay to that because 
I I promise we will we'll eventually hopefully I will gather the list for next for next week so we can see exactly what's coming up. Huh? I keep Everything. telling you, yeah. January, February, and March are effing it's horrifying. <laughs> worse and worse. It's basically uh, what usually comes out in like that October, November, mm-hmm. December time, just pushed back like four months or whatever. Um, I'm yes. not looking forward to it, but um, I mean, hey, it's at least something that's not going to be jammed into the late part of the year where I have to also buy Christmas gifts for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's like after that and I get all the yeah. Christmas money. Yeah. And then I can, it, so. The early months are awesome for 2022 because at the very least, we, after a year where we barely had anything, there's going to be choice in those first three months. But if you're one that likes playing a lot of games, it's horrifying for your wallet what's coming up. So <laughs> sorry. Hope for the best for those two. Number two, is the newly announced Marvel's Wolverine PS5 exclusive going to be M-rated, Paul? Sounds like it. Yep. According to the game's director, it's highly likely. Answering a fan inquiry in regards to the game, director Brian Horton confirmed that the game is going to be a full-fledged title, so not a small game like Miles Morales, which it's mentioned because Brian Horton directed Miles Morales, and that it's aiming for a mature tone. When you say mature tone with Wolverine, you got to go for M-rated. got to. Considering 2009's movie game adaptation from X-Men Origins Wolverine for the PS3 360 era shipped with an M rating, and Insomniac has had previous experience with more adult fare like Resistance and Sunset Overdrive, as well as showing a trailer where Wolverine's knuckles are pretty bloodied, it seems we're definitely going to get a proper definitive representation of Wolverine that was sort of scratched in the 2009 game. That 2009 game was pretty good, but it was also pretty rushed. Yeah, it was a movie game put to market really quick, but the fact that it was really good was really special. Other interesting tidbits for the Wolverine game is that Walt Williams, the writer for Spec Ops The Line and Star Wars Battlefront 2 and Star Wars Squadrons is the story lead for the game. And apparently, one of Naughty Dog's big art designers for The Last of Us Part 2 recently joined Insomniac. Tenfold hat. I wonder why they joined. This greedy art, what are they going to be doing? Greedy art for our Insomniac. Hmm. The um, fun things, it sounds like. <laughs> I, um, especially once you told me about the writer joining all that stuff, I would say that even though like Battlefront 2 and Squadrons had their problems with it, I can't really fault their plots mm-hmm. for the most part. Like Battlefront 2, they're probably operating with a lot of constraints on what they could do and say. I think I even remember, um, I don't know if we ever discussed it, but there was an interview where he said we wanted to do something really cool. And like Disney slash Lucasfilm mm-hmm. told him, say, like, Ad all right, Solo. well, you have to add Hansel, you have to do these things, you have to have her switch. Um, Allegiance is really uh, quick. Allegiance is like immediately because we don't want us like associate with heroic empire people or something like that. Um, so he was like, all right, well, we've got all these constraints. Let me see what I can do. And they did something pretty good in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. Um, squadrons, they were able to get a little more freedom, at least leaving all of the empire people mm-hmm. still part of the empire. But it was also that and the adventure continues kind of ending. Mm-hmm. So um i mean overall it was really interesting the fact that you could only really do stuff in your ship and then it was dialogue mm-hmm. um i i was i was pretty impressive so and then of course spec ops the line that had, deserves no introduction whatsoever so <laughs> i'm so set for this whatever this guy's got i'm i'm ready for it i'm gonna be there day one 
checking this sucker out and yes. uh, i love it I, I it does make me wonder the full-fledged title thing uh especially now that we know spider-man is 2023 it's i wonder if this is a 2024 game then yeah that's what i'm wondering as well like at first i thought oh they're doing the wolverine next mm-hmm. then uh spider-man in 2023 and now i'm like i don't know it's it's weird that they showed wolverine first and then spider-man mm-hmm. i guess but yeah that's why it wouldn't make me think that, but maybe I'm wrong. And they were just trying to intro into the next Spider-Man game and then yeah. not go down. Yeah, it's more like um, if we're like if we're talking about the showcase from last week in particular, is like announcing a Wolverine game from them. It's a bigger punch because you knew Spider-Man Two is coming. That's the thing. Yeah. What Watching all is... the reactions made everyone think, "Oh, Spider Man!" Uh-huh, like, but then, like, "Whoa, what's cowboy!" This, yeah, what this cowboy? Yeah, exactly. And uh, what makes it more exciting is that because you know that they're working on both of those games. Like, Spider Man Two got an even bigger pop just for the fact that, oh my God, they're also working on this already. While they're working on this, they're crazy. That's the um, that that's why they spaced out those um, those two things the way they did. At Very the same smart. time. Don't put it against Insomniac for them to release both games so close to each other because they did with Miles Morales and Ratchet. They are a company that hustles, but they're a company that hustles. Like Mm. they've shown that if if there's something that I learned from Insomniac in all the years that I've been following them since like the PS2 and PS3, like just think about it. In PS2, they did the original Ratchet and Clank, Going Commando, Up Your Arsenal, uh, Deadlocked. Then they moved to the PS3 ones, the, the Tools of Destruction, Quest for Booty, Crack and Time, All for One, um, the Full Frontal Assault, Into the Nexus. That's just Ratchet, because in between that, they also did three Resistance games. They also did Sunset Overdrive and a bunch of VR games. The Song of the Deep, uh, Metroidvania thing that they did with GameStop. The Ratchet and Clank remake, and now Spider-Man. Now Spider-Man. Spider-Man Miles Morales, Spider-Man Remaster, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. That's like they 18... do so much. Yeah. It's it's and... insane like how much how much they do. And a lot of it is quality. The only bad game, quote unquote, that they released there was Fuse because that game got yeah. hijacked by EA. Right. So... They they don't they haven't missed despite all of the constraints and work that they've been going through. Who was that we both follow that said that um Insomniac has like ten thousand employees now. Ooh, it's um, it's a guy from the Sacred Symbols podcast. Uh, Colin Moriarty, his name is like because, yeah, he um, yeah he he has direct uh, connection with some of the like the managers there, and he said that they have a lot. So (laughs) that blew my mind because I never would have expected them to have so many. But it makes sense why they're able to do so many games all at once. Because they have like two big studios in Santa, like their studio houses, like two big teams in the Santa Monica office, and they also have a North Carolina office. So because they have that much, I think they can do that much. They can always have like three games going at the same time. So because this is even not this is even not mentioning the fact that they were hiring for a multiplayer game a few months ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. So imagine. So. <laughs> what are they doing over there? Yeah, what what do they had put in their water? I mean, it's it's a studio that just never sleeps. It's called Insomniac. <laughs> Man, that, that's never been more on point, has it? Yes, but I will say the 229 million that Sony bought the studio for, the biggest steal of the century. 
like yeah. just for they have put their they literally have grabbed the monster that is the ps5 the size they put it in their shoulder and carrying it for the next three years while other studios haven't even released their first game i mentioned it's like when barely any next gen game has barely gotten one game out they're about to release five that's crazy <laughs> it's it's that the sigma grind set boy yeah that's um <laughs> that's how they they operate apparently but shoot i could never do any of that that's one thing that i've realized with game development is um i could not survive in that kind of world um that they operate daily in, and uh my heart goes out to all of the people that work and, on and it here, and here's what's funny they claim that they don't suffer crunch i don't know how yeah um That's either crazy. they just have the resources to spread it out enough so that nobody's overworked which is a great way to push but is it also because their games aren't 50 hours long also true um i think the longest one would be what do you think spider-man spider-man is like 25 hours yeah so that that was that one's probably their biggest but i would also say that was like their most resources put mm-hmm. into it oh yeah because that game is like a master of polish mm-hmm. so and then even the, the latest ratchet and clank wasn't that long either so which i wouldn't expect those to be very long anyway mm-hmm. they don't need to be that long so speaking of not going long number three yes so why is the god of War reimagining not going for a trilogy according to cory barlock from a recent interview he did with youtuber captain kuba because of extended depth time barlock mentions how the first game uh took five years to make 2013 to 2018 and he also says that the Eric Williams directed sequel uh, may take close to around the same depth time, give or take. So they're almost going for four years since it got pushed to 2022. We don't even know if it, it might even be pushed to 2023 because it didn't put a date in this latest trailer. So that would put them around the same time of depth time. So they don't want to spend like 15 years just to tell a complete story if they can tell it now. So from 2005 to 2013, four God of War games from the Greek saga were released by them, not including the two mobile, uh, not mobile, the handheld spin-offs made by Ready at Dawn, Ghost of Sparta and Chains of Olympus. That, uh, like, if you got that many games in that period of time, that tells you, like, development has been different now. So them saying they just want to do two games because it's going to take them even more than, like, close to nine years, like, 2005 to 2013, it's eight years. Six games came out in that time. 2013 to almost 2023, it's almost 10 years. Two games. I can see why they want to move on <laughs> and just tell the story now. So Barlow's comments do check out. God of War Ragnarok is still tentatively scheduled for 2022 after a vague 2021 original window. Remember when that was this year? <laughs> and, uh, and it's still scheduled for both PS4 and PS5 with a $10 upgrade for people that get the old version. Also keep in mind that based on the interview that Sony ran with Eric Williams and Corey Barlock in the stream last week. There is a big hint that Barlock is already working on the next team for Sony Santa Monica. And we might learn that as soon as God of War Ragnarok ships. What do you think of that, Paul? Well, um, right at the end, I got Game of Thrones flashbacks <laughs> because um, the last time I heard that somebody 
was uh, already finishing up his work on one thing and was ready to move on to the next one that didn't go well. I know this is probably not the same situation, Mm -hmm. but, um, and granted, if it was supposed to come out this year and they just need more time for next year, I'm more, I, I believe them more. Plus it's the people that made God of War and I know they don't mess around with their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like the detail and work that they put into to make all these performances great. The animation's great. And the combat. The combat, great. Um, the I polish. The amount just, of polish and <laughs> scale. It's, it's fantastic. So yeah, and needless to say, I feel like they know what they're doing. They're going to come through with something really solid. I'm fine with giving them more time to do something like this. It makes sense if um, if they can fill something. I think they even said it was originally just going to be one game that was this whole story, and they realized it was two games worth. So it was like, hey, you know what? Mm-hmm. Go for it. If you want to make a second game out of it. Um, I think my that was a knee-jerk reaction from everyone thinking, oh, it's another trilogy, and then realizing it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes sense the way you said. It's like, this has taken way more time to make something like this. I'll take one more game of that caliber mm-hmm. than four of previous God of War calibers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Especially because those games came out really quickly. Like the original was 2005, then the sequel, which was much better, came out in 2007, but the development used to be quicker. Then when they moved to PS3, they added an extra year. Uh, God of War 3 came out in 2010, and then Ascension came out in 2013. Yeah. In that, and like, tw- obviously, Ascension was the weaker one because. They unfortunately closed the book so hard on the Greek mythology that they had to like flashback to a prequel mm-hmm. with almost nothing else left because they let Ready at Dawn use a bunch of stuff that they had not used. So by the time they got around to make another game, they're like, crap, they already used a bunch of stuff. We barely have anything. So let's do Everybody's this. Everybody's dead already. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, let's do the Hecatonkeries or something like that. So, so yeah, Ascension was like the only miss from that. For, for, from like that period and it was still good it wasn't a bad it was. game it was it just was not... like more god of war but it wasn't like significant addition to the storyline or anything it, it wasn't the this is a, one of the best games of the year that you absolutely have to play it was just eh, it's more it's more of that so yeah. if they are more if they're more settled and just really making an impact like they did with 2018 and trying to do that again and just kind of cap it there i have more respect for the people that know when to close things instead of the arbitrary let's do another game just because we can like for example as good as the story is in uncharted 4 i think you could have stopped it uh, you could have started the trilogy <laughs> like stop <laughs> and, and, and even now then like with yeah. the last of us like mm-hmm. especially after the part two the way it was received by most players i feel like i wouldn't want a sequel after that and they already kind of rumblings that they may even go for a third one. And it's like, I have more respect for Santa Monica to be like, let's go out while we're on top. Especially since we already have another thing that Corey is already working on here. And he's right. pretty much basically saying it without saying it. And, rumors and I'm really this- glad um, they're going with uh, just to, before you finish is that they're giving him the freedom to walk away from projects rather mm-hmm. than your Hideo, uh, Hideo Kojima problem of this guy has to be the head. He has to write all of it. We're going to force him to do this one thing. And then you get burnt out and then you get burned bridges, but then you get Corey Bar- Bar- Barlog. Barlog. Golly. Yeah, you think of Balrog the <laughs> front. Balrog. Um, I keep wanting to say that. Barlog, um, being able to let him step back and work on something else, let somebody else head it, 
and then you get more power, more passion, and then he gets to do something else at his pace. Um, and then back to you. And within the studio. Saying. And Santa Monica needs something new because other than Connecticut, an early PS2 game, they've only they've only been a God of War studio. There's been other games that have wow. the Santa Monica logo, but the thing with yeah. Santa Monica is that that used to be a big studio where they were incubated a lot of indies. Like your pixel, like not pixel opus, but like the um your that game company, the guys that the guys that made Journey or Flower, like the Unfinished Swan, like all those kind of indies, they were all incubated within Santa Monica. But Santa Monica would kind of sometimes splatter the logo there. So people would be like, oh, it's Santa Monica made it. But no, they just how's the studio that made this thing? The core development of Santa Monica has only been God of War. Right. So they have and that's why they try to do that sci-fi game that got canceled back in like 2013, 2014, because oh, they just yeah. want, they just want, like, as you can see in the Racing Kratos, uh, excellent documentary. Uh, by the way, every time you watch that documentary, you just want to play the game. I tell you, you just watch it and you'll get the desire. It yeah, always does. I, I, it I always remember does. when I watched it, I went back and like played part of my new game plus save. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and, uh, and you show there is like, they were very candid about how that was a dream that died for them because it was like the expansion of the studio that like the, spreading of the wings that they wanted for that suit especially at a time where god of war already went through that ascension period of like this is more of the same do something else so that's what it was so hard for them so for them to like have revived god of war mm-hmm. and make it like now the marquee title that everyone wants more than a naughty dog game that's what's funny like naughty dog was like the big the big dude and now everyone just wants santa monica's game right now I, I remember even somebody like me, um, I was not caring at all about God of War, even when the new one was going to come out. I don't think it was until after it, like, first released that everyone said, oh, you have to play this, that I was like, all right, I'll pick it Because up. everyone was like, this is going to be good, because it's like, it, it looks like it's a lot of time has been put into it, and a lot of just anyone didn't expect to be the almost game-changing masterpiece that it was. I sure wasn't. It was the game that... Yeah reignited my passion for games that's why it's like behind mario world as my favorite game of all time because without god of war i wouldn't even be here playing games anymore because i was getting bored of them that's and that true. Like, i remember that's what reinvigorated your love for the games yes because so that's why that that, that first game is always going to have that specific memory tied to me because it, just, it was just such a great juice up that i needed for that and i don't expect the sequel to do that kind of impact because the first game already did that if it's just more of the great game that we got that'll be fine just continue the story i think it'll Mm -hmm. be fine i just i wish people understood that things don't have to be crazier and better Mm -hmm. it's just like more of this caliber is fine and i just i know people are gonna bash on it and um hate it but as we heard from the great theologian of uh ratatouille (laughs) um he, he ego that's what his name was we have to uh defend what's new um and be there for the stuff that wants to put itself out there rather than just like do the same thing over again defend the art more than the commercial reality of things even though you want your art to be commercially successful for to you to create more art i had respect for santa monica to that especially knowing that there's other things in the pipeline i just hope it doesn't get canceled also that would be devastating for them to don't say that don't yeah, say that no. no with Corey in the with Corey in the helm and him like having so much power in the studio now i feel he's in good hands just look how great that was final oh, yeah. story before we go into topic uh do you hear about this nvidia leak 
I did briefly, but I didn't delve into it specifically because I didn't want to get like my hopes up too much mm-hmm. about it. But let's let's see what this is all about because I never saw all these listings. Yes, I saw I saw this list from that. Uh, it was Push Square. They extracted the list out out of this uh, server. So Nvidia leaked a whole bunch of unannounced games via their GeoForce streaming service. So Nvidia has been doing this GeoForce streaming service, and I think it's another one that has been doing it that. Right now with COVID and all of that, a lot of people are putting their games through the streaming service so that people so that like the big media can preview stuff from the from, from their home without um having to go to like a specific place to preview games like it used to happen because we're uh-huh. still in the pandemic. So apparently like NVIDIA had like all these names of things that they had been testing or internally tracking. So it's like if you put that in your server, then you mean that there might be some truth to it, basically. So here's some of the games that people could get out of the server that got leaked from this. Chrono Cross Remaster, Final Fantasy Tactics Remaster, Final Fantasy IX Remake, Kingdom Hearts 4, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Street Fighter 6, Dragon's Dogma 2, Monster Hunter 6, Grand Theft Auto Remasters, Bioshock 2022, Mirror's Edge Remaster, an untitled respawn game, Titanfall 3, Tekken 8, The Talos Principle 2, Crisis 4, Batman Arkham Knight Remaster, XCOM 3, Injustice 3 Gods Will Fall, Destroy All Humans 3, Sniper Elite 5, City Skylines 2, Fight for Middle Earth, Mortal Kombat 12, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 Remaster, Helldivers, and PC versions of PlayStation exclusives like God of War 2018, Horizon Forbidden West, Gran Turismo 7, Returnal, Demon's Souls, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, Sackboy A Big Adventure, and Ghost of Tsushima. So they basically said that even though these names popped up there in this leak, that you shouldn't be seeing this as confirmation announcements of basically these games that have mostly been unannounced. But the fact that this... NVIDIA has to always make their games work on PC, so they have to know what's going to be compatible and all that. So them having these names, it's quite interesting. (laughs) What do you think, Paul? I have questions and I have reservations. Yeah. Um, I usually think of myself as an optimist, but for whatever reason, when it comes to game rumors, I am an immense skepticist. Look at Abandon. I... I mean, look at all of these things. These are all either things that have been heavily rumored. It would be like a home run if they did it, or it's been a while. It's about time for something like this. I feel like you and I could come up with a list that's similar to this Mm -hmm. based on what we know about the industry, Mm -hmm. and it would be almost identical. Um, I, it's like what? uh, It's it's like in the sky. This is like dream. It's like somebody at NVIDIA was like, you know, it would be really cool. Kingdom Hearts 4, Resident Evil 4 Remake, XCOM 3, Crisis 4. Like, I don't think there's anything that I would say was crazy surprising to me at all. I mean, we already know Mortal Kombat 12 is in the works because I just finished the DLC for 11. Um, I, what The only thing that I would say isn't like an absolute surprise or that is a surprise would be like city skylines the arkham knight remaster i don't know why um maybe 
I don't know enough about Talos Principle to know about a sequel, but like everything else looks like it's like, yeah, of course, this is eventually going to show up, um, I would think. Well, Alejandro, what are you saying? You're speaking like a. <laughs> you sound like a mouse. Say something else. <laughs> You're like the mice from Cinderella. That's amazing. About- oh, they yeah. wait. You're back. Say something else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I was like, I was hearing like a robot. I don't know. Did I sound like a robot or mouse? You, you yeah. sounded. I'm gonna try to implement it but it was like oh my god that was all i could hear and it sounded like just a little bit hint of electronics so it was like it's some kind of robot mouse took over your microphone it was amazing. yeah i can't wait to hear how that sounds in the recording i don't know what happened with the mic there it just took me resetting the mic that was fantastic um so yeah um those are my thoughts on that um what are you thinking here yeah my thing is that yes there's a bunch of things here that are pie in the skies that are like of course eventually this will show up like for example how i feel some of this is real is because capcom recently had an internal leak like oh i did hear about that and they had resident evil for reaming they had street fighter 6 they had dragon's dogma 2 they had a different monster hunter the grand theft auto remasters we just heard those news a couple weeks back and so i feel some of this is kind of like somewhere in the middle for me this is like definitely some like some of this like yeah, this is just dream stuff, but and just them basically preparing server stuff for the eventuality of this thing. And uh, yeah, it just feels like placeholders for things that they think is going to show up anyway. Like, I mean, who's gonna think Tekken is gonna suddenly stop after Tekken Seven? Like, of course we're gonna get Tekken Eight. We're gonna mm-hmm. get um, to Bioshock eventually. We've had the rumors about Grand Theft Auto. The one thing that I'm not really sure about is like the Modern Warfare Three remaster that you were saying was debunked by Activision. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're just saying that, or they debunked? That... They debunked it in August. That's the thing. They back in August they were, they were like. Because there were rumors back in August that Modern Warfare 3 remaster was happening, kind of like in the same vein as the Modern Warfare 2 campaign remaster. And then right. Activision was like, at this point, it's not in development. They came out okay. of, they came out and said that. So this leak happened way later after they had debunked that happening. So okay, so they debunked it and then this happened. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it the way Which, it looked, it made me think they they addressed the leak. To be but, fair um, to them, yeah, Modern Warfare 2 remaster leaked like in 2018 way back then they denied it existed it's yeah, the, that came in, out the in 2020 year as no it's a year after modern warfare 2019 mm-hmm. right yeah huh so never take what these companies tell you with a grain of salt because they're good at the pr game wait always take it with a grain of salt right yes yeah okay there we go um okay so that that makes sense um i mean i'm excited for all this stuff and people getting more P, uh, PC versions, more games that we love. I'm liking it. Yeah. I will say just for this, like if, if some of these were real, I would like for that Bioshock 2022 game to actually come out in 2022 if it shows there because they've been working on a Bioshock game for a while. That's been... I, yeah. That's been, right that, that's been with, a thing. Um, Arcane Studios, Bioshock with their powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love an Injustice 3. I feel it's time for a new Injustice. The last one was in 2017. Just got uh, announced the Injustice animated movie. Oh, yeah. Um, that trailer I, was awesome. 
I feel like I've kind of moved on from Injustice because of I read the comics Mm -hmm. and I got up to, I think, year five. And then I was just like, I'm done. Kind of just becomes the same thing over Mm -hmm. and over again. They just keep coming up with more heroes to show up against Superman and then Superman beats them. And it's it's that whole edgy thing of like, oh, Superman's not interesting unless he's evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a whole story for a different day again. Yeah, but that's why I'm like, at least in the game side, there's only been two game games. Side, I'll I'll give it that. Injustice Two didn't get enough representation. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't get enough credit to itself. It sold it really well, but it feels like it got forgotten real quick. It was. Um, I watched Maximilian Dudes' uh, video on it explaining um nether realm studios's uh windows of support for a game and injustice 2 is like by far the smallest with like maybe six months to a year and then everything else being like a year plus mm-hmm. um so he was like even amongst the own studio injustice 2 didn't last nearly as long as the other things they make so uh, he he was even hoping like if they make another one that they need to focus longer on that one thing and it'll stop them from having to focus on making whole new games either mm-hmm. yeah and then the what the other one from this one obviously i definitely want a resident evil for remake if it's in the quality of the two and three one i think that's just a matter of time yeah uh-huh. i mean that one i believe it because of the capcom leak so yeah. and that concludes the news for today paul so yes press x uh-huh. topic yeah. Yeah, I am going to pull this up right now. We're going to have a nice little thing to chat about. Here we go. So think about this. Um, It's a sort of a two-part question that I have for you today, and that is what game element or mechanic is popular right now that you would like to go away? And in response, what is a gameplay element or mechanic that has gone away or mostly gone away that you would like to return. So the two parts of what's something games do now, hang on, let me finish. <laughs> and what's something that's not there that you'd like to respond. And I'm not talking about scraping off the top and saying like microtransactions or like the easy stuff. I want you to, to give me something good here. Um, do you have something already? Let me think. Let me okay, hear you. So like, that's... I've got a couple of things that I would like to throw in there. This is like chew on that for a second. Um, My example to start would be the concept of top-down 2D maps. When you play a game and you open it up, we're going to talk briefly about a game that does it amazing, which is Jedi Fallen Order, Mm -hmm. where you have your 3D map. It's Metroidvania uh, just as hell but you can move you can edit you can spin things and i have never gotten lost in that game um just the ability to manipulate these maps you have breath of the wild um the ability to manipulate the map and dungeons has been so useful compare that to games like previous legend of zeldas where it is Mm -hmm. top down you just got to figure it out or our lovely game control that has the whole map squished Mm -hmm. and you just just have to (laughs) kind of figure it out uh from where you are and i get it there's other areas but they're all smushed down on top of each other and i can't find heads or tails of it um the other option for going away would be outfits and games only being palette swaps rather than actual outfits um bringing back Jedi Fallen Order as a bad example mm-hmm. for this one, 
because all you had was ponchos and a couple the- <laughs> different colors and different ponchos. I'll give them that the ponchos at least had variations of them. You had like your cloth ones, you had your heavy ones, but I really would have liked, even if it might have been immersion breaking, some Jedi robes, Sith robes, something crazy, interesting in the world, like fake bounty hunter, what if he was, you know, kind of thing. Um, and then a good example, obviously, Spider-Man, with being very perfect examples and modernizations of previous Spider-Man outfits. Um, do you have anything or do you want me to go on? No, I do have one. All right, let's hear it. Uh, the over-RPG-cation of games that, ah. has, uh, that has dominated a lot because every game now has a skill tree. Every game you gain XP. Every game now feels like you're like hitting an enemy has like some sort of health bar that you're like waiting, waiting down. And uh, I feel that just has, in a way, I feel like, for example, in open world games, I feel that's what cre- has created the homogenization that has made me more sick of it. I see you, Ubisoft. And uh, even like for, Far Cry 6 has the health bars. Now. Yeah, which was introduced in, in, in New Dawn. Because yeah. Far, yeah, Far Cry 5 wasn't even that. So like, I feel like because everything feels so overly RPG'd, I feel that's why games feel a little too samey. I feel that's why, um, like, like for example, I used to love the old Assassin's Creed game, for example, that didn't have that kind of health because of the insta-kills that you can get and all of that. And yeah. there weren't any crazy skill trees also because everything now has a skill tree. Another thing that I would love for things to go away is like not just, maybe not the full elimination of a skill tree, but a skill tree so massive that so many of the things that you unlock, you barely even use. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yeah. <laughs> and um, even I'll, t- I'll even say it, like Spider-Man 2018. I barely use much of that, much of that stuff. You find one, one, two or three things and that's it. Yeah. That's and, I feel that, and I feel that's, um, it's a design challenge to be able to show you a lot that you can use at the same time that all feels useful. And I feel like a game like God of War 2018 it's not too heavy on the skill trees there. And I found that a lot of it really became really useful, even though eventually then you can just um, just pick a few things that fit your play style of it. It's just not overwhelming. I think Spider-Man 2018 had a lot of that. And why I love Miles Morales a lot, because it was much more condensed. I used everything in that game because it was few things that you could use there. Dishonored doesn't have that crazy of a skill tree thing either. It feels more it's, compact. It's just yeah. like I realize. Um, I mean, uh, Deathloop. Sorry. Well, yeah, and I'd say almost both, um, mm-hmm. because even that's another thing. Deathloop uh, condenses is in Dishonored. You had to find the bone charms and your um, the the slabs of ro- the runes. That's what it was, um, and those were your sense of progression. There was no XP. There was nothing like that. And I think similar with with God of War. Um, the gamified feature, rather than being like a direct XP, it's items that you can use mm-hmm. to infuse or put into gear to make it better. I have another one. All right, let's hear it. Loot. Stop. Ah. Stop with loot. Like, absolutely stop. Like, not everything needs a loot game. Like, literally not a, like... No, no, no. Outriders is a looter. So he... that So that one... I think... Based on the way it was, though, I don't know if it needed all that loot. No, it did because it was a looter shooter. Our writers is yeah. like that, but um, like for example, God of War, I'll let it pass because it helped with um, 
it was at a time where we were not getting overwhelmed with that. By the time we got to Ghost Recon Breakpoint and they had loot, that's when I almost lost it. Which was so, only like one year difference. Mm-hmm, yeah, exactly. Just one more year. It's like, ugh. That's crazy how many came out in like that span for us. Yeah, because be then like it. Assassin's Creed became a loot game. Um, what else became a loot game? I was just um, saying that. Well, yeah, Assassin's Creed, you had your Far Cry. Mm-hmm. Far Cry became yeah. a loot game. Um, Fallout became a loot game. Point, Fallout. Wolfenstein Young Blood. Oh, true. So um, I like loot. I know there's other stuff in but there. The, but the thing is, when you have loot game, like when everything is a loot game, there's like. Even For Honor has elements of it. Um, yeah. Because that's how you get your passive abilities, is the color system ranking of all of the items you get which gives you better passives so somebody who's been playing forever can absolutely crush someone who just started if you're not careful you know a game that i appreciate doesn't have loot per se is ghost of tsushima it has the trinkets it has like i feel it yes i feel Um, it's like it's different to get tiny little upgrades that you can put into your weapons instead of constantly cycling in and out weapons and then as much as I love that those things out yeah. a lot easier than like your better loot that's like just an automatic oh you do more damage now you do this that or the other but then it's like for Ghost of Shima, we can do builds same thing with God of War you can like make a build that boosts certain aspects Horizon does loot play. also Horizon yes mm-hmm. Horizon does loot um even was it Resident Evil I think no no they no, had the attachments different. Mm-hmm. um that was different but yeah, so there's there's a decent amount of things that throw that in there that I'm getting a little tired of for sure. It oh, was uh, Shadow of Mordor yeah, um, and Shadow of War. So yeah, the, moving on to the rest of your wrapping yeah, up thoughts. Like playing Metal Gear Solid 5 again before I was playing Deathloop was like, that's a game that has literally no loot at all. It's like the, the kind of different systems that it engages you with are so much more satisfying there that it's like it's not the moment-to-moment gameplay that constantly shifts you it feels like more meaningful when you have too much loot sometimes it almost feels kind of meaningless to be able to do this yeah a lot of that and And then like you have games that do loot horribly like the avengers game oh yeah where the the loot there is so like underwhelming because it doesn't really meaningfully affect um your character other than its stats and it's like yeah, I'd rather not have loot like there. I'd rather like the things that hook you be something different. Like Metal Gear 5 like hooks you with like the growing of your base, the metagame of seeing numbers climb up in things like that allow you to like unlock better weapons instead of constantly collecting and all that. So it's like, I wish we could get kind of back to that design sensibility. And I'm glad like a game like The Last of Us Part 2 was very restrained with skills and the things that you picked up and all that obviously it had the the constant looting of that is just basically scrounging for scrap and all of that but personally i prefer that than constantly having to find new weapons and all that and stopping to see the stats and all it's yeah those are things like my brain go burr (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's the thing loot in a way is like it's the card collecting addiction like when when you're like collecting cards like you open the thing and just something just you get something that you think you wanted like, oh. yeah and like i've had that moment in destiny like when i got my fate bringer with firefly i was like oh. 
like there's just something there's a dopamine release that you get from oh, yeah. games. Uh, but at the same time it's like it's been overused and i feel that's the thing that has made many games especially in the live service area feel too homogenized that's true and i think the only thing that i would say on the other side of it is if you don't give people the sense of progression as much look at your breath of the wilds um there's no reason to even engage with mm -hmm. parts of the game if there's not anything you're going to really gain meaningfully out of it but like you said the sol the solution would be like the materials you can gain which you can use to still kind of get some sort of progression it's just not as much of the oh look at this new thing you just got look at the colors of it um which i think a lot of people go for the cheap route mm -hmm. so um was there anything else you want to take out of games all right yeah those are the things yeah so the the ones that i have you want a second to think about what should come back or um get more popular is one that i had uh that you and i were talking about recently with cinematography and games um you have your metal gear solid one which has almost no real crazy animations no real no faces really at all but the fact that the cinematography carries all tension and power and gravitas in all of these cutscenes between all these characters um makes it so good that it doesn't even matter you look at the other example being ghost tsushima as a terrible example of it where you have your side stories or whatever mm -hmm. and it's just a static picture of your boy just sitting there talking with his mouth moving and then they talk back at him and honestly i just skip all of them um i don't want to hear it i don't really care and it's just not interesting. But if they added even just like camera moves while that happens, I feel like something like that would be so much better. And I feel like a lot of games have just gone away from using any cinematography and uh, that at all. To me, like just bring back linear games, literally is like, it's yeah. crazy to think like every time you get a game that's even semi-linear feels almost like finding mana from heaven, like, Obviously, there used to be a point where we get away too many of them, but now we've got none of them. And yeah. replaying the Metal Gear games, like even though I'm like I mentioned, like Metal Gear Solid Five is such a great open world stealth game. Like in a way, like it just grabs you in in some specific ways that is so addicting in a way. But getting to like you mentioned Metal Gear One, like just replaying those early Metal Gear games and the power of the authored creation of a of a creator where they dictate the way like its story moves where they dictate the way like the pacing goes instead of giving too much freedom to the player to figure that out because like for example ubisoft the dude that got fired Sergei gasco the one that basically was in charge of homogenizing their entire slate he got too um in love with like the player agency of a kind of emerging narrative basically basically it's like no you're the one that tells the story because you're the one that played your way and you create your own stories blah 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 with this tools that we'll be not giving, giving yeah. them actual tools yeah to so it's actually like, do those things. And, and and i feel like that's a cop-out to um to basically be like yeah we don't want to design stuff just here's the open thing and you do it however you want to do it i feel like that's just almost a cheat in, the, in game design, especially now that we're seeing something a little bit more authored while giving you freedom, like Deathloop. 
like Deathloop works so well because it feels more authored. It feels more handcrafted. Yeah. It feels more meaningful. It doesn't feel random or it doesn't feel copy-pasted. And I feel you only get those experiences if you get something a little bit more funneled. Mm-hmm. I love God of War because it somehow manages to hit that perfect middle of an authored experience that's like linear in design, but also open enough for you to explore like a Zelda game, that's like old school crazy. Zelda game. I was not expecting, um, even when I played God of War, um, I thought it was a linear game. And then I get into the area the where you get the lake and it opens up and actually like activates and everything. And I go, oh, wait, this is a hub. Like mm-hmm. this is going to be huge. And um, hubs are better. They bring back more hubs than open worlds because sometimes a limited open space is more exciting to explore every nook and cranny than a giant ass open world game. And it's easier to make as mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah. And unless you want to do it in super high quality, like the God of War, then that takes longer. Right. Exactly. I mean, well, yeah, you got that. But I would say even then adding more detail to a specific area would be easier than like the processing power required to do something like the Just Cause 2 map. But in today's standards, like you mm-hmm. couldn't do that anymore unless you really cut corners in a lot of places. And that's exactly what happens with a yeah. lot of these things. Yeah, games got obsessed with the let's go bigger. But they didn't really think about how does bigger make us better. Bigger yeah. doesn't make it better. And the more like, especially in open worlds, that just look how massive our world is and all that is just, it gets exhausting. Like you get like, eventually you get your fill before you even roll credits. And in an authored experience, at least you get the intent of the creators in a way. So yeah, bring back more authored experience yes. instead of just the wide open sandboxes. And it's funny that you had said that because my second thing was casual adventure games. <laughs> um, I just like the idea where I don't have to explore this huge open world, but just like, let me experience a fun adventure storyline. Like, I mean, we've got our Uncharted's, but there's not much else that's in that kind of vein. I mean, you had Tomb Raider and that was kind of a thing, but. Tomb Raider, another great example of the authored experience that also gives you hubs for you to yes. like explore and and have that extra meat like an authored experience that gives you a tiny bit of freedom as an aside it's much better than the open world game for me like absolutely much better there could be examples of that like sometimes in tomb raider that like intimidated me actually because i had so many of these things that i had to like think oh i have to mentally remember all of these places that use this thing that i don't have yet and then when i got the thing usually i forgot all of those places that i'd passed that i could use that thing for and i was like gosh i'm gonna have to like look all of this up to no, remember what the but the thing is, is that the faster travel system in tomb raider you knew where those areas are is they're clearly marked in the map see that's that was good um I don't think God of War did that until like after you'd seen them. Yeah, God of War is not that Metroidvania in a way, especially because of the way like it funnels you in and the things right. you unlock, like when Atreus got his bow and arrow that that lights up the thing. It's like right. And then um at least like Jedi Fallen Order would have like a red symbol mm-hmm. or a yellow symbol or and a percentage symbol. in the top to know that yeah. you haven't explored and everything. That was like 
so helpful for me because I was just thinking like, I don't know how I'm going to know all this stuff. And sure enough, it would say, okay, well, now you have the force power that's needed for this. And then I just went over there. Bring back simple UI. Eliminates overly yes. flashy, overly flashy yes. maps and all that. Like, for example, like, let's go to Borderlands 3. They focus so much and make such a stylish UI in like a menus. The menus barely worked. <laughs> so... I um and like power to once again persona five for making menus actually entertaining um because I never really had a problem navigating any of that and then you had like Super Smash Bros brawl that you would hit right and it would go down or down and it would go to the right and because of where they were didn't mm -hmm. make sense just make make it simple but you can still do good and stuff simple, simple but functional but um, also like, not bland not talking about mario golf where it was like too simple and um that was a whole thing i don't know if you saw the ui for that no. and it was yeah. like no like it, it's it reeked of laziness a bunch of yeah. nintendo stuff this year has reeked of laziness sorry pj it's like none of it has been great like in the way, the way they've been presented <laughs> you know that's actually a perfect master class in the simple versus lazy because old nintendo was always so simple mm -hmm. you had your image you had your picture of like what the button looked like next to what it did. And you didn't have to like use dialogue at all. It just had a picture of what it did right there. Um, and then you have now where it's like white background, black text, no style at all. And um, that was, that's just not right. Um, you got to have something, some kind of flare up in there. So right. yeah, anyway. Um, that was that was pretty much it. The last thing that I had was just uh, the return of tactical shooters, but single player. And so the um, Rainbow Six Ghost Recon of old. That so, um, your old school like Mission Impossible games, your siphon filters. Even I would extend it over to Splinter Cell if you want to go the uh, stealth route. But just something that's like your gun nuts, but you don't want to be on crack. Mm -hmm. Like let's just. I, and I understand there's like PC games that are kind of like that, but a lot of those are also multiplayer as well. There's a lot of people out there that really want to get into a good, slow-paced, cerebral shooter that they don't want to go up against really crazy tryhards all the time. Yeah. And I think bring, bringing back something stylish, not stylish, but like simple like that would be a good return. To yeah, form. just bring back the hardcore slow game. That kicks your teeth, but it's conquerable through methodical, slow gameplay. That used to be the norm back then. And then when Call of Duty happened, everyone was like, no, everyone wants something more fast. It's like, you got to make it a movie almost. Yeah, yeah just be, just be um, confident that you being a hard video game, but not being like an overly punishing video game, like so Dark Souls. So, I almost missed that one. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I think yeah, that's that's, uh, that's that's all of it, uh, Alejandro. I really appreciate that topic, and I'm mm -hmm. glad the stuff that you added to it because it's stuff that I wouldn't have thought of. Yeah, first. bring more. Like surprise me with the topics. We, oh, we, we, we we prep for the show, but I want that thing to be like more spontaneous because I couldn't quite think until like something like glided up <laughs> in my head. And that's but that's the fun part because it's like not quite off the cuff, but it kind of is and. Mm -hmm. That's where we go with it. So, yep. All right. Um, that's it for me, Alejandro. Yeah, and that's it for the show. So, Paul, like, where can people find you? As always, they can find me at Dork of Art on Twitter. 
at YouTube, also at Dorkovard, and Twitch at AngelSword21, which later, well, I guess you'll be watching this on today. Yeah, today. So yeah. I will either be about to stream some Deathloop or mm -hmm. I will have just done so. So go check out my Twitch, AngelSword21. You'll be able to check that out. Alejandro, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash the Slayer Giant. Uh, you can find those streams also at our YouTube channel in Escape Media. You can um, find me on Twitter at A underscore Dorsegovia, at Instagram at Alejandro Segovia 93 and at my website at thecriticalcorner.com. And the, the X button always posts in YouTube and on podcast services, not called Apple Podcasts, but you can put it in the RSS feed that we provide at anchor.fm slash escape media. If you like what you listen today, give us a like, give us a share, subscribe if you haven't. And we hope to see you around here next week, either on Thursday or on Fridays, God willing. So Paul is going to check out that Sea of Choices trailer, by the way. Yeah, I'm going to link it in our, yes. in our, in, in, in our description. And Paul, it's been a pleasure. We'll be playing together soon again. And until next time, press X. Let's play. See Have you a guys good day, later. Everyone. Adios.